Hello everybody and welcome, welcome once again to a fresh edition of ESPN's Formula One podcast. I'm Alexis Yunus, still here, always here with Lawrence Edmondson and Nate Saunders. Austria, guys, it's a whole wrap now. We've gotten the back-to-back weekends, we've gotten some action. Sure, today was not as exciting as last weekend, I know that, because when I came in there wasn't that massive buzz like last weekend, but you know... Still some good stuff to talk about, especially Lando, but we're going to talk about Lando a bit later. Let's start off with Ferrari, because I was telling Nate, I mean, Lawrence, I'll look at you first and we can start there because we did a little hit with Nate earlier on. And I was saying how earlier I tweeted that when it rains for Ferrari, it really looks like it pours and it's just not looking like it's going to get any better for them. But how do you explain what happened today and how significant it was for them? Yeah, so Ferrari, we know, haven't made the start season they want to make, but then this was completely down to driver error. We didn't, we weren't expecting much from the car anyway, because at the moment it's still not very quick. But Charles Leclerc, uh, first lap, ploughs into the side of teammate Sebastian Vettel, wrecks both cars, and they retire from the race. Um, it was interesting afterwards. We were quite looking forward to seeing what Ferrari would say and uh, you know how they build from this, what happens next. Uh, because um, it's an important storyline. Ferrari, an incredibly important brand in the sport. Um, but they cancelled all their media sessions. Um, so I've been listening back to what Mattia Bonotto told uh, the TV press that were there. And he's very good, actually. He goes to every single uh, person in the in the lineup of, of TV cameras. And uh, he starts off by saying, it's always a pain when your two drivers uh, don't make it to the end of the race. And he basically repeats that over and over again. So they're keeping this really internal. That's the uh, first message uh, we got from it. It's um, it's really an internal thing. Uh, but Leclerc admitted it was his error. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, but then there's this ongoing kind of scrap with Sebastian because, you know, he's not there next year. Um, he's not happy about that. Uh, the team have committed to Carlos Sainz beyond that. So there's tension there already. And, uh, and then this, you know, and the biggest problem for Ferrari is that they were meant to learn about this car during this race i mean even if they didn't get the result they wanted you know in terms of replicating the podium that leclerc got the previous weekend they were meant to learn the good bits and the bad bits from what they brought they didn't get any of that nothing so um it's a complete disaster for ferrari Uh, i don't really know where they go from here it's looking like a bit of a write-off of a season try and salvage something next year but really i think they're looking to 2022 already because that's when the next regulation changes and uh, and that's what they've got to kind of focus on but at the moment they're just nowhere and that's just crazy to talk about because like um, Nate and I, we were saying earlier, this is Ferrari we're talking about. This is not just a team that you can accept that they will say, we're just going to write off this season, to be fair. And I mean, looking at Charles, I have his tweet up just right now and he does take, you know, the blame for it. And he said he's disappointed in himself. And he said, I was too eager to gain those places in the first lap, but I will learn for it. And does that, Nate, just echo the frustrations that Ferrari just on a whole have been experiencing this year? I think so. I think it's quite interesting that he took responsibility um, I wonder if things were different there. You know, if we know the Vettel's leaving and we know Leclerc's the future of the team, I think it it's probably a lot easier to admit fault in that situation. You know, there's no ramifications that are going to come to Charles' side. And it was so obviously his fault as well. I wonder how that would have gone down in different circumstances. But it, it, it the, the ironic thing with it is, is that Vettel did that exact same move last week on science. And we talked about, obviously, Vettel spun then. So it was like Leclerc had taken a leaf out of... Vettel's um, book because there was absolutely no move on so yeah I think the frustration of those two guys is quite apparent um, you know probably for Leclerc it's worse because he's a young guy and he's he's not had the championship winning cars that Vettel's had previously in his career so I think yeah there must be all sorts of things going on and like Lawrence said you know when you're when you're talking about Ferrari potentially winning in 2022 you know that's that that seems like a, a really long 
time away, even if you're a young driver. So it's yeah, I'd love to know what Charles Leclerc's thinking right now. I mean, he's he's going to have to play the long game clearly to win anyway, but it seems like a longer game than maybe Max is going to have to play at Red Bull, for example, which must be super frustrating because at the end of last year you might not have predicted that being the case. And I mean, Lawrence just said it right now, and which is kind of very telling to me, at least as someone who's probably looking on the outside in, which is what you were saying that you don't really know where they go from here. And it's true, Nate. What do you see even where they could go from here? It's something to salvage the season that could at least be accepting for Ferrari. Well, go back and look at the the Leclerc Vettel crash because they were it, they weren't just behind the Mercedes drivers they weren't just behind the Red Bull drivers they weren't even in that midfield fight the cars around them it was Haas it was Alfa Romeo it was Alfa Tauri I think both had a fairly sluggish getaway but that's because they qualified right there in the middle of the pack and I think the Hungarian ring will probably be better for them it's going to be less punishing on their engine but it that is pretty much where you can expect Ferrari to be this year, is kind of in the middle of the pack. And given how much we... I mean, we talked ahead of the season about that top three and how difficult it is for anyone to break that. I think Ferrari have broken that themselves by kind of dropping so far off the pace. Racing Point have obviously taken a step forward. But yeah, it's that seems to be where they are. And in the context of modern F1, it's pretty remarkable. Um, you know, like the, like the next person, I love a good Ferrari meme and, you know, the Vettel spinning memes. But today was actually quite painful to watch because, you know, that team has absolutely... The incredible history from growing up watching Schumacher win and seeing them that bad it was just it you know they were just they're out of the race it was like okay Ferrari are done what next so, yeah I think the important thing for them now is to go back to the root of the problem which seems to be that what they're seeing in the wind tunnel is not happening on track so they've mentioned this a number of times uh since testing basically is that they figured out when they put the car on track that it wasn't doing what they expected it to do and by quite a large margin now that's not unheard of in Formula One it happens uh fairly regularly but yeah, for a team like Ferrari that has its own winter, it has everything in-house, uh, it's it, it's a big, big problem. And the other thing we've seen is that it's having knock-on effects for the likes of Haas, which use a lot of the same parts uh, that Ferrari are able to supply, and then also Alfa Romeo, who use the same engine, at least. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's really an incredibly difficult situation, but they need to get back um, to understand why that wind tunnel isn't producing the uh, results that are you know, accurate, that are reliable, uh, but the only way they can do that is by being on track. And if they weren't on track today, then they've lost a massive amount of uh, data and information that they need so crucially to get them back to where they should be. I saw on, on Reddit earlier, there was a, a meme likening. So obviously we know, and we'll talk about them later, the racing point being the pink Mercedes. Well, the, the joke was that the Ferrari is just the red Haas, oh. which obviously is a joke. But when you can actually make that joke about a team like Ferrari, it's pretty embarrassing. So... Yeah, I a just great, thought I'd throw that in there. A great man once told me there's always a little bit of truth in a joke, which is why it sticks with you like that. And I think there is definitely a bit of truth there in that one. And for those of you that don't know, I'm a Manchester United fan. And earlier, Nate compared Ferrari to Manchester United. He basically yeah. said that it's that fall well, from grace that United have been going through for the last couple of years. But after what I saw today, with all due respect, I think they're more on an Arsenal territory here. Yeah. Lawrence is laughing because I know he supports Arsenal. But with that said, I mean, it's a question we asked about Arsenal today when I was doing football coverage what do Ferrari try to salvage I suppose this season where do you guys flat out see them ending in the table for both drivers and in the constructors can I just clear my name first I'm a, I'm a Manchester United supporter so not an Arsenal supporter I, 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 no, I, I live down the road from, from the Emirates oh, but, fair um, enough. Oh, so either Manchester. way you know pain I, yeah I mean I, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> I, also, I, I see it and I know it um, I was also going to bring in I was also going to bring in an American comparison here because I know we have a lot of American listeners I also likened them to Lawrence earlier to the Dallas Cowboys you know a team Ooh. that always talks about their history their importance to the NFL etc but actually if you look at them you know to a to a new NFL fan 
you won't have seen the Dallas Cowboys in a Super Bowl for a long time. And it's the same with, I know some new F1 fans and they're always like, you know, when, when did Ferrari last win a title? And you have to kind of explain to them, like, look, you know, Schumacher won all these titles. Kimi won the last one. And they're like, what, Kimi, the guy that they That's sacked last year <laughs> in his second stint? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's basically 40 now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, the, yeah. So it's, um, it's, I think both are fair. Cowboys or United. Sorry, Alexis, but I think both of them. Do you think Ferrari now are... I mean, I know they can't give too much. They still have to save some face in interviews. And of course, we know that that's what Binotto has been doing. But do you think... Do you see any signs of them accepting that this is going to be a serious rebuild? And maybe, you know what, with all due respect to us, just like how we've heard, you know, Zach Brown come out to us when we went to the launch and he said, look, there's no way we can aim for third. We're aiming for fourth now. And there's no shame in saying that. Do you see any signs of Ferrari's personnel kind of getting ready to hint... Did you know what, guys? Look for us in two years. <laughs> it's difficult not to at this point, isn't it? I think I think I said it on the podcast last week. The telling thing was when they announced science and their their language around that whole thing wasn't about these are the pair that are going to win us the title next year. It's this is the right pair for a long-term rebuild. So I think we saw a bit of that um, when they announced science earlier this year. Yeah, th- there's no way they can sugarcoat the performance. You can't say, well, you know, we're expecting to still fight as a top three team uh, with the performances they've had. Yeah, there's an element of probably the Hungar ring's going to suit them a little bit better, so maybe that will kind of change the mood music a bit and they'll kind of move forward. But at the moment, uh, it, it's a real issue. And, and the, the biggest thing which they're still reluctant to talk about um, openly and kind of address is, is what's happened to their power unit performance. We've talked about this again and again and again, but questions about the legality that haven't been answered. They're, they're, they're not going there. They're, they're not answering it. But uh, I think that's obviously a big step towards um, the areas that they need to improve on. And uh, I don't think they're ever going to accept that they cheated because they claim they didn't. So, um, you know, that's OK, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, hey, you've got to take Ferrari at their word, right? They definitely didn't cheat. Right? <laughs> hey, Ooh. are we doing that? You know, um, they haven't... A lot of shade the, being thrown here. <laughs> the, the, the FIA hasn't found that they cheated. Uh, but I think a lot of the other teams, if you join the dots, uh, kind of suspect that something was going on there. So, um, yeah, uh, it been, until they kind of own up to that kind of stuff, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to feel uh, to feel sorry for them until they kind of really explain it. Because uh, So what you know, you're saying is karma. Yeah, I, I think there, there is a bit. Well, you know, they've had to change their power unit um, as, a, uh, you know, as a result of what happened last year. And uh, they haven't said whether it was directly because of the investigation or whatever, but it's quite clear that it was. Um, and uh, and they've lost performance as a result. You know, the, the two uh, are either a huge, gigantic coincidence of the sort that doesn't happen in Formula One, or it's um, yeah, or they're related. So, uh, I, I, I think you know um, that, that that's something that they need to address. Uh, but I don't think it's something they're going to address publicly. All right. Well, shall we move on then? Because that was follow, a bit I of I can't a, follow that. Oh no, that was wow. a bit of a depressing segment there. Sorry, Ferrari fans, but basically, strapping it's going to be a long one. But you know what? If you're as resilient as Lawrence and I for supporting Man United, you got this. As for the Although rest if, of us, we don't know. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan and a Ferrari fan, you need to pick better. You need. Suppose <laughs> <laughs> you're a Ferrari fan, Dallas Cowboys, and Man United, or say Spurs and Arsenal. Well, then wow. you probably. Bit of glory hunting going on. You might as well start watching hockey or something from like twenty years ago. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, that is a that is a triple thing. Anyways, shall we move yeah. on? Then let's Sorry. go on the up. Sidetracking us. A team that's obviously been flying and continues to fly. And I know you guys are looking and crossing your fingers and toes and everything for some sorts of good competition. But in the end, Lewis Hamilton, of course, took the top spot, and it was rightful, I suppose, after seeing the performance he put in in qualifying. 
yesterday and it was absolutely stunning. I mean, Lawrence called him the wet weather god and I've been using that nonstop and it was great. And Lawrence, I mean, I was saying this to Nate because few people really bounce back from a tough weekend like Lewis Hamilton and that was just on display today, wasn't it? Yeah, I think we said that in the last podcast, didn't we? The, the one thing Valtteri Bottas needs to watch out for is how much more determined Lewis will be this weekend. And he was. Um, so I think what we saw was more of a straightforward race, more of a straight fight. And uh, Mercedes quite clearly came out on top. Not a huge surprise, given what we knew about the car in pre-season testing and what we know about Mercedes as an organisation. So um, that all came together, and that is pretty much where things stand at the Red Bull ring. The Mercedes is that much quicker than the Red Bull. However, as we go to different tracks, um, people inside the team say they usually need at least three different tracks to get a view of where the car's quick, where its weaknesses are and stuff like that. And, uh, and, you know, the Mercedes does have weaknesses. You know, the reliability was a concern at the first race, less so at the second race. Uh, the Red Bull looks very good in slow-speed corners. We've got a lot of those coming up in Hungary. So I think um, what we saw this weekend looks like it, you know, definitely really suits Mercedes. But there's still a little bit of hope for Red Bull. Will it be enough to mount a championship challenge? I'm very doubtful. I'm very doubtful about that. But, um, but hopefully we'll get some slightly more competitive races as the season progresses. Nate, thoughts on what else you saw from Mercedes this week, apart from same old, same old, no surprise that they, of course, dominated? Yeah, well, I, I agree with Lawrence, unfortunately. My, my optimism, I know I tried to big it up, tried to big it up as much as possible that this was a Red Bull track and Max was going to win two races. And today was actually quite deflating because we didn't see Max really, I mean, Lewis just disappeared into the distance and Valtteri on strategy was able to get past him, but Mercedes looked a lot quicker. But hey, you know, there's different circuits coming up, so let's see. The, the biggest takeaway I had was something that I think will be a, a common theme this season is that it seems like, again, the only person who can really challenge Lewis is the guy in the other Mercedes, which is Valtteri. Had a great weekend last weekend, but you know when we were doing our video hits just a second ago, I said to you that Valtteri doesn't need to beat the Lewis that we had last weekend. Valtteri needs to beat the Lewis that we saw you know, this weekend, the guy who did that pole position lap and the guy who controlled the whole race. That's the, that's the benchmark that Bottas has to beat. And Unfortunately, you know, I, I think I wrote it yesterday that we've seen the movie Valtteri wins a, a race a few times now and we know how it, it finishes is that he wins one and then we see him fade and Lewis just kind of step up. And unfortunately, Can it change now, given the fact that we are viewing an unprecedented kind of season? Will anything like that work in Valtteri's favour? Maybe, but the, the thing I worry about is that Lewis just gets... You know, if it, let's say he wins next weekend, he then goes to Silverstone. There won't be British fans there, but I think he just loves that place anyway. Yeah. And you, you can end up get this, you know, by the end of July, he could, in theory, have won three more races. And Lewis, the one thing, the, the worst thing that Lewis Hamilton can have if you're a rival is momentum. And I think once he gets that, it, it, he becomes almost impossible to beat at the moment. So Valtteri really has to win the next weekend. And he's leading the championship right now, mm -hmm. but that quickly can turn around, as we've seen in previous seasons. Sounds like he's going to need a lot of pancakes. Yeah, a huge or maybe, or maybe, maybe some, or maybe, maybe some pancakes. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Lawrence, maybe, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think um, he needs to really hit back straight in Hungary. Unfortunately, Hungary is also a Lewis Hamilton circuit, and actually, the Red Bull Ring is a track where Valtteri usually goes very well. So, yeah, it's it's almost like a slight missed opportunity this weekend, uh, not to kind of double down on, on what happened last weekend. But he just couldn't live with Lewis in the wet in qualifying. That's what it came down to. Valtteri had a problem uh, with his brakes. Uh, it's called glazing, where basically the brakes don't get up to the temperature you need. They become kind of like a shiny surface, and then you don't get that kind of purchase, that grip from uh, from the brakes that you need to slow the car down. So that's why he was off the pace. But it didn't happen to Lewis, did it? So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, Valtteri can have these little excuses. 
it's not all on him. You know, there are problems going on, but, you know, he, he he still didn't perform at the end of the day. He did as best as he could in the race and he got up second place, which was essential. Had he not got that second place, I'd have much bigger doubts about uh, whether he can take the challenge to Lewis. But he needs to uh, come back at the hung- in the Hungara ring and basically qualify ahead of Lewis would be such a crucial thing. Because if he can do that, then it's, you know, the counterpunch is there and he's back in the back in the fight with Lewis. If he, you know, struggles again in qualifying or is off the front row even, then, you know, you really start to ask questions because, as Nate said, Lewis will just hammer home results again and again and again once he gets up to speed. Is that just his best bet then, just constantly try to qualify ahead of Lewis? I think so. And, um, yeah, Lawrence was talking about glazing on his breaks. Avoid glazing on donuts or pancakes. Like, he can't be, <laughs> can't be distracting himself with his diet. Nate's on um, a sexy new diet now, so that's why he's like, he's yeah, all no of a glazing. This, glazing he has no time for glazing. Yeah, it's 2020 Nate, you know, glazing's done. Uh, no, but yeah, I agree with everything Lawrence said. Like, I'd love to, I'd love to big bot us up a bit more, but, you know, we've seen it a few times. So there's evidence that doing that would be, at this stage, would be unfounded, unfortunately. All right. Well, let's Sorry, move on to another. This has been, a, this has been a bummer of a podcast so far, isn't it? Last week we were talking about Unless you're a Lewis fan, in which case yeah, it's, exactly. it's all music. Exactly. Like, right? I mean, show some Lewis love I mean, here. Alexis Le- is a huge Lewis fan. I was buzzing so, coming oh. in and everyone's like, oh, yeah, Lewis. And I was like, what? Be like Lewis. Yes. I mean, the man is on course to make history. We want to see that history yeah, happen, I, I, I suppose. And, and we have to celebrate things like that qualifying lap mm. yesterday. That was sensational. Oh. That just doesn't usually happen in Formula One, in the one era, to be one point two seconds ahead of your nearest competitor that kind of thing you know we need to make the most of it because when lewis leaves the sport is going to be a much poorer place you know without him so uh stuff like that is is remarkable um we just want the other drivers to push him don't we we just want to see that because the more they push him the more we see those exceptional performances uh so hopefully that will happen and lawrence wrote a great piece on that lap yesterday and one of the things i saw a lot of people saying oh well Max spun out of qualifying at the end, mm. so we never saw him close. But as Lawrence pointed out in his piece, the fact that Max spun out, you know, another kind of wet weather master, the fact he spun yeah. out there and Lewis didn't, I think said a lot about it. And there's a great onboard where it looks like Lewis should lose the car about four or five times mm. and he just doesn't. So, it, it, yeah, it, it, it definitely does, especially this season, the context of what will probably be a you know, record-breaking season definitely deserves us to talk about. So it's good, good, good thing to raise. And the other thing, up until that spin of Verstappen, he was 0.4 seconds slower than Lewis through the first two sectors. So even if you extrapolate that again, it's still a 0.6 second advantage uh, in the wet. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's pretty exceptional as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think Lewis, uh, everything that he did this weekend was absolutely spot on. That's kind of what we were expecting last weekend. It didn't happen. So, mm. um, yeah, but I think uh, if Valtteri, if Max are going to take the fight to him, they need to look at what happened this weekend figure out how they they compete with that we need that lawrence gets nerdy jingle asap don't i know we? well he's just said extrapolate yeah. or something and i was like goodness <laughs> and me. glazed breaks i know glazed breaks i was like holy <laughs> i'm now i know i'm definitely gonna when i speak to my brothers i'm gonna use that analogy and they'll be like oh you smart little nugget you so you've and been be listening like, to lawrence edmondson it's up at all ESPN, right. yeah right? i was just oh, like yeah. just wait till you hear lawrence this is what he talks about for fun to be fair <laughs> literally lawrence does talk about that for fun well <laughs> i mean definitely i'm not denying it <laughs> <laughs> You're going to own it. <laughs> well, let's talk about now, I guess, about Max Verstappen, because when we're talking about challenges for Lewis or not, and what kind of caught my eye today was how frustrated he was. And I can imagine, because you could see that Max is such a fighter. He's such, he has that fire in him that Lewis has that, you know, where 
you almost feel like they only need themselves. They only need someone to tell them they can't do it and they will go out and do it. And you could see his frustrations when he was talking about the car. And even after the race, he just said, look, well, what do you want me to say? Like, maybe it's going to be Lewis again next week because I can only do so much if the car is not doing it for me. You know, so just what did you think about Max and, and where does he go from here? And can Red Bull do anything in the week now to probably give him a better shot come next weekend? Well, there was an amazing glimpse into Max Verstappen, the driver, when he came in for his first pit stop because he came absolutely barreling into the pits and it, it looked like he was just going to smash the wall which we've seen drivers I, I remember David Coulthard doing that in Australia years ago and it just it, it was perfect Max Verstappen it was just you know kind of just throwing the car into the pit lane um, and yeah I think you're completely right I think he's a, a guy that needs to have a better car than he's ever had and it probably isn't going to be the one he's got this year and it's a shame for, for fans as well because mm. I think you know, the idea of Lewis against a young Max or a young Leclerc is is a really there's there's something quite cool about that to think about you know a legend coming up against you know a new guy coming through the the ranks. Unfortunately, it looks like we're not going to get that. And for Max, that must be frustrating because he's driving the wheels off that car every time he gets the chance to, but it's not always enough. And he's you know it's almost like a hamstrung a little bit in it. And uh, it's I guess it's where F1 is unique to a lot of other sports is that you can be the best driver in the world, but you also do need to have that final ingredient there to to kind of get yourself over the line. The thing that stood out to me in that race uh, with Max was after that pit stop, and he was complaining to his team, he was like, well, why did we pit so early? You know, Lewis has got an advantage now, we should have waited later, we're going to have to manage these tyres to the end, and the team had to remind him that, oh, actually, you're not really racing Lewis today, mate, you're racing <laughs> Valtteri behind you. So, um, and he was, you know, they were absolutely right. So, um, yeah, that, that kind of hinted at the frustration, didn't it? I think there was a little bit of... Um, uh, frustration overall from Red Bull because in, on Friday they looked genuinely competitive and I think a lot of that was down to the hotter temperatures that Mercedes seemed to struggle with a bit. Uh, Mercedes trying a few different things as well on Friday uh, but the Red Bull looked quick and um, yeah, people in Mercedes said that had they held a race on Friday it would have been very close or maybe Red Bull would have edged it. So um, everything kind of played back towards them with the cooler temperatures on Sunday and um, yeah, and that track just kind of suiting the car. But, again, going to mention again, going to Hungary, uh, hot, always hot in Hungary. This time of year, it's, you know, it's scorching hot. You're looking at 30 degrees uh, fairly regularly. So um, a few of those things can start to play to, to Red Bull. And also, Mercedes were quite impressed by how quickly Red Bull brought updates to that car. Um, they had a fairly fundamental issue uh, last weekend um, with the handling of the car and also losing some time on the straights, which is basically down to the rear wing not doing what it should be. And they brought an update which solved that this weekend. So that's massively impressive. That kind of development uh, is what wins you championships and it's also what gets you back in the fight. So um, there's still promise from Red Bull. And I think when they, you know, they look at the weekend as a whole, they'll realise that probably their big missed opportunity was maybe last weekend. Uh, or if they look at Austria as a whole, their big missed opportunity was last weekend. And this weekend they probably achieved uh, as much as they could. Well, that's where I was going to go next, I suppose, because last weekend, of course, with the way Alex Albon was going as well before that unfortunate clash with, with Lewis, that of course, turned it into a nightmare weekend for um, um, Red Bull. We were kind of having eyes on what he would do today. So what did you guys think of um, his performance today? Well, Albon very nearly ended up getting spun around in that same corner by Perez <laughs> on the final and the penultimate lap. Um, he was quite off the pace, Albon. And I think that the longer into the season we get, we're probably going to look back on Austria last week is a really you know, a hugely big opportunity that he missed because it's not going to be often that he's in that position. I think Max is quicker than him. I think I, I do think Albon's very good, 
But I think in that team, he's not exactly in the best situation to maybe showcase that talent. And we've seen, obviously, Pierre Gasly went there and crashed and burned within a within you know what the first half of the season. So yeah, he just uh, you know Albon was fighting the racing point, and we think the racing point's quick, but it's the sort of performance that we've seen before. Red Bull kind of you know lose a bit of patience with. Um, but yeah, but th- but that brings us nicely onto that midfield fight, I guess, because that was awesome. I was going to make the joke when you were introing it. It was my favourite Styrian Grand Prix of all time. I think it was the best one. First, really? e- first ever Styrian Grand Prix. That so was it was the, the only the one. Oh, don't worry, don't worry. Got to me. listeners of the podcast, I will explain every joke that I ever make on here, <laughs> just in case you were wor- wondering. <laughs> Especially if they're that bad. Um, yeah, I'm going to pass over to Lawrence now, and I'll just sit in silence for five minutes. <laughs> Wait, what were we talking about? Now? Alex Albon. I think I'm, I managed Nate's to go from Albon jokes. to yeah. Perez, and then to a bad joke. Okay. Well, quickly on Albon. Um, yeah, he shouldn't be that slow. It's as simple as that. Um, and I think this is one of the most fascinating things of the last two years in Formula One is what is happening with that second Red Bull? And is it just that Max is that much better? Like, how much of it is down to something within the team, kind of favouritism? How much of it is down to Max's raw talent? Uh, How much of it is down to maybe the engineering side on that side of the garage? Like, what is going on? Because something is going on. Because you've got two drivers who looked pretty good coming through the ranks uh, in Pierre Gasly and Alex Albon. Okay, maybe neither of them we ever thought would be on Max's level, but they shouldn't be that far off. Mm. So that is... A really kind of fascinating one as, as as to why he was he was so far off. But um, yeah, uh, Christian Horner talks a little bit about it. He said uh, that basically, you know, Alex just needs to um, kind of finesse what he's doing on heavy fuel and stuff like that because he just doesn't seem to have the pace. Whereas on single lap performance, they're more impressed by him. So yeah, uh, but I think the the important thing for Albon at the moment, which Gasly didn't have, is that Albon's proven to be a fighter. Um, you know, with Lewis last week and then again with Perez this week um, you know he put everything on the line he didn't lose the position to Perez this week uh, he only lost he only didn't get the position from Hamilton last week because he was punted off in the uh, in the view of the stewards so uh, he's doing everything uh, kind of on track and kind of showing the determination and the fight that Red Bull wants to see uh, just a bit of the pace is lacking so hopefully that will come hopefully this was just an off day or something but he should not have been that far off Max and the two Mercedes in the same car it just shouldn't happen well, time for a lovely segue now, because if you have a look at the driver standings, I mean, of course, you have the Mercedes guys at the top, but still in at number three is our boy, Lando Norris. And last, if you ever last lap need, Lando. Last lap Lando is what we're calling him now. <laughs> if you ever need someone to, you know, be a mood booster, I suppose, which is where we were going, because we've been kind of critical to pretty much everyone except for Lewis, <laughs> because, and I think that got you guys sad, because there was nothing you could criticise on Lewis there on this one, but Lando Norris, once again, on a weekend that was looking like it was shaping up to be Carlos Sainz's turn, if we're talking about the um, McLaren drivers, but Lando, and that last lap, and that nice little tussle that he had with the racing point cars, I mean, guys, Lando! <laughs> yeah, he's, 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 he's box office, isn't he, at the moment? really good fun. oh that could be another one box office lando but we like the to keep the l's yeah last yeah, lap lando alliteration of last lap lando works yeah. doesn't it but um that it was a funny one because uh fair play to science uh today because he qualified third everything started going wrong he was actually doing very well the two renos were scrapping behind him and he was had a decent gap then he went into his pit stop and uh they messed up the left rear i think it was and so he lost a lot of time dropped to the back of that pack and then he had norris behind him and norris looked quicker uh, I think the strategy had played slightly more into Norris's hands by that stage. And um, and he let him through. So science moved out the way to let Lando through so Lando could attack those guys. Uh, meanwhile, ahead you had La- uh, Lance Stroll, who was in a much quicker car than Ricardo and couldn't get past until mm. the final lap when he 
through what was a pretty clumsy move up the inside of turn three. That opened things up for Norris to move through. And then Perez, who had tried a pretty pretty racing move on Albon and got his front wing damage, allowed uh, Norris through as well. So things definitely came to Norris, uh, but you've got to be there to be able to do that. And you're right, after a weekend that didn't look like it was going the way it should, sixth place on the grid wasn't bad, but he had a three-place grid penalty for ignoring yellow flags on Friday, which is a rookie error, shouldn't happen. Yeah. And he's not a rookie anymore, he's in his second year. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so then he was moved back to ninth on the grid. But to, you know, have all of that and still kind of keep something in store to go through and produce an immaculate final lap like that while all the others are kind of crashing into each other and making mistakes uh, stands out, especially for a driver in his second year. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, I didn't realise he was third in the standings, but that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And then he's also already got a big margin over Carlos Sainz, mm. uh, who we know is going to Ferrari next year. And this is a kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> last year he was the driver that everyone, a lot of people were saying he was the driver of the year and stuff uh-huh. like that, you know, because it, he was that impressive. So... Uh, I always felt that Lando, um, you know, was slightly underrated last year, and it's nice that he's kind of proving to everyone that he's he's, he's got what it takes. Nate, yeah, I know I, you want to get in some, well, some Lando I mean, talk. I completely agree. You know, I think um, Lando. I think his big thing last year was that um, it, it was qualifying that was the issue. You know, with science. But what was interesting was after the race, he was saying that that first stint for him was very much letting the race come to him a bit. He saved tyres a little bit and kind of knew that maybe he'd get into that fight. And Lawrence is right that science, I think it, it, it says a lot about McLaren that science, I think kind of just willingly, we're not, we, we obviously don't hear every radio message, but science seemed very willingly to, to move over. And that's not always the case. Um, you know, when, when t- teammates are asked to do that. And I think it does show you very nicely how good the harmony is in that team. Um, because I don't think drivers are ever truly like friends with each other, but those two seem as close to it as you can get as teammates. Um, but yeah, yeah, Lando, that last lap was fantastic. Um, I think Lawrence said something interesting about Stroll. I think what we were saying about Verstappen and Albon, the same applies to Perez and Stroll. You know, if you look at the gap yeah. between those two, Perez was up there fighting a Red Bull. Maybe the Red Bull shouldn't have been that far back, but like Lawrence said, Stroll shouldn't have been as far back as he was. And yeah. I have to, yeah, Stroll was impressive because I thought he was he, he was going to collide with Lando late on, but it's probably a fight he shouldn't have been in. Um, but yeah, but, it, but that's, that's not to take anything away from Lando. I think he did a great job. And um, I actually, I spoke to Science on uh, Friday. Name drop. Yeah, name drop over Zoom. Well, there's actually, there's a funny story about that that, that I'll quickly tell people. And uh, it's funnier than my last joke. We did a Mercedes pub quiz on Tuesday and I was on the astronauts team. So I had to change my name on Zoom to Nate Astronaut which just so I was in the astronauts team and then talking to Carlos Sainz about seven minutes in, eight minutes in, I looked down and he kept like looking at me like, you know, frowning. And I realized that it still said underneath where I was talking to him, Nate astronaut. <laughs> um, and I, I, I messaged Charlotte who works at McLaren, who you met at the launch. Mm. And she was like, Oh yeah, yeah. I noticed it immediately. So um, that was pretty embarrassing. Um, so now Carlos just thinks that Nate is an inspiring astronaut. Astronaut, yeah. that's yeah. just yeah. moonlighting yeah. as which, a which actually, F1 if you journalist. know Nate, he, he is. I, like, he, he yeah. is obsessed with the Apollo missions. And if stuff I'd been that. wearing my NASA shirt, it would have been perfect. I know, you <laughs> always wear that NASA shirt. Yeah, well, I've been told that, so I haven't worn it for a while. <laughs> for that reason. Um, but no, but, um, but in that chat, you know, sometimes when a driver's leaving a team, I think you, you get a sense that they're kind of keen to go, but science very much leaving it's genuinely there's you know there's a good feeling with him and the team how they feel about each other and I think that extends to Lando as well and I think we again you know we keep saying we said this last week but it's hard not to kind of see that McLaren story and kind of be taken in by it because it's had such a rough couple of seasons they're kind of they were in the bit that we're talking Ferrari in now that real low and they're kind of coming out of it with two pretty exciting drivers and yeah Lando I mean let's let's see how how long we can keep it maybe Lando's the the guy to beat for Max that was a joke again 
but who knows? <laughs> who knows? Maybe McLaren's luck um, just turned once I went to their launch. I sprinkled that some does gold seem dust. To be, there you go. That does seem My to be the first and only F1 launch, and boom. But it's hard. It's hard not to 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 have you you know heartstrings tugged on when you think of McLaren and you mm. see Lando as well. I mean, he's just such a joy, obviously, to talk to, just to watch, and then to see. But as as Lawrence said. I have to keep not thinking of him as a rookie and as a little young one to just make mistakes here and there and forgive him because now that we're seeing these kind of performances, it is only a matter of time before people start expecting big things you know, from him or rather bigger things because he's already been doing big things. So it'll be interesting to see. And, and in terms of... Um, oh, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, an F1 is quite bad for being fl- you know, flavor of the month. Like yeah. you're, you're the driver in vogue at, the, at that point. But, um, but Lando, it seems like you know he's got a long-term future at McLaren, so I don't think he's going to be in the driver market discussion for a while, which is a good thing for him as well. I think it takes the pressure off those performances. He's not trying to gain a seat anywhere. He's got a long-term kind of future mapped out for him. And before we get, um, I suppose, into a bit of news, anybody else catch your eye or any other incidents today before we move on? Um, I mean, I said it to to Lawrence during the race, but the Haas looks awful. It really does. (laughs) Like Grosjean went off, off at the start of the race. Um, they had to break curfew on his car overnight, so he started from the pit lane. But they said if we hadn't been able to fix the car, we wouldn't have got out. And um, yeah, it just doesn't seem—it doesn't seem like a very good situation. It just—it just stood out to me because I was hoping that last week was going to be we're like, oh, okay, they, it looked worse last week. But um, yeah, that, I, I have to—I have to confess, we didn't see a huge amount of the Haas boys on yeah. the TV. But when we did, it seemed to be Grosjean struggling to drive the thing, which is never a good thing. Um, yeah, I'm just going to put in another word for George Russell. Uh, even though, yeah. even though it didn't work out, we didn't. I didn't actually see it on TV what happened, but uh, he was mixing it with Magnussen over 12th or 11th place uh, early in the race and ran wide in the gravel. Um, but his qualifying lap yesterday was sensational. That was, you know, right up there. Um, we talked about that yesterday when we were doing the video pieces. But yeah, Russell is 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 very very good. So we talk about Lando at the moment. Uh, we're talking a bit about Alex Albon as well, and you know maybe could have got that win. Russell is on that level. Don't don't forget about him. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like he's probably got another year. At Williams. Uh, we asked him on Thursday. You know, is there any chance of a Mercedes move next year? You know, Valtteri hasn't signed his contract yet. What do you think? And uh, he kind of reiter- reiterated that he has a Williams contract. It's in Claire Williams' hands, and I don't think Claire is going to let go of uh, George anytime soon. Because if you look at what he's doing in that car at the moment, mm-hmm. he's making the difference. To make you know, if it, if you just looked at Latifi, you'd say, well, Williams really haven't made that much progress compared to last year. They're still just always stuck at the back. But what George has been doing has shown that uh, the true promise of, of, of that car and the big step they've made. And okay, Williams still not where they want to be, still not where uh, a name like that should be. They've got all sorts of problems off track going on as well with um, trying to find a new buyer and you know get funding together for next year. But at the same time, this uh, shining light at the moment is George Russell. So. There you go. Shout out to George. There's one I forgot as well was Ocon. We're talking about talented young guys. Um, He was quicker than Ricardo all weekend. Ricardo obviously had the crash on Friday. Mm -hmm. Ocon looked really good. And um, car trouble forced him out. But um, yeah, that was, I think there's a lot of hype around Ocon in a similar way that there is about Russell. And I think this year will be really interesting to see how he stacks up against Ricardo. So if if that's an indication of what's to come, then I guess it will prove that it's justified. When we spoke to Ricardo after the race, he said that it's interesting when you fight a new teammate and they went wheel to wheel fighting because he says, you know, there's always, especially if, if it's brand new, you know, they're two races in as teammates that you kind of don't exactly know where the other guy's limit is. You trust them not mm. to crash into you, but there's always that element of doubt. But he said, because I know that Esteban's a very good racer, 
it takes some of that doubt away. Whereas, you know, if, if you're maybe not so convinced of the talent of the guy next to you, you know, you might give them a bit more space. So I think that was quite a, a good ringing endorsement from Ricardo about what he thinks about Ocon. And that could be a really interesting teammate fight this year, I think, those two. Well, interesting is that because um, Ocon and Perez, it was fireworks when they were yeah. at Force India together yeah. and they would collide regularly to the point that the team had to tell them to basically you know, take it easy and bring in some team orders and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it was kind of reassuring to see the Renault drivers have a very clean but, you know, uh, very intense battle today. Um, part of that was down to, I think, Ricardo's tyres. He was on a different compound early in the race, so mm. his, his strategy yeah, started to come through. But, um, yeah, I think that will be, that'll be a good battle because even though Ricardo looks like, well, you know, he may not ever get that driver, a team that can win a championship, uh, still he's a very good driver. We know that. We were just talking earlier about how Gasly and Albon mm. uh, have, have been unable to meet Max's level. Well, the guy who was there before and who was at Max's level was Daniel Ricciardo. So we know he's, he's really that good. So he's a good yeah, barometer for um, Ocon to use to prove his talent to the rest of the paddock uh, and really to Mercedes because that's where Ocon wants to go back. He's on a very long piece of string from Mercedes at the moment. Uh, he's a Renault driver for next year as well. He'll partner Fernando Alonso next year, uh, which we haven't mentioned yet, I don't think. Um, <laughs> but I won't get too excited about that yet. Um, so yeah, he's, he's on a very long piece of... Uh, string there so he's really there at Renault trying to prove that he can beat someone like Ricardo and then get into Mercedes um, as a kind of long term maybe even when Lewis retires you know be their man to go forward but yeah it's um, it's interesting those little battles and the drivers mm-hmm. trying to prove their worth uh, to the rest of the group It's a pretty decent stable of young guys to move on from Lewis with isn't it having Ocon and Russell there if they're as good as we think they are compared to Red Bull I mean if you name their young drivers now it doesn't look like there's really anyone there so was um, Max? He's still quite young. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. I forget beyond, how young beyond, he is. Beyond Max. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. And then, of course, let's move on to some news now, some news that broke quickly before we started this podcast, that Renault have launched a protest into Racing Point's car. And Lawrence, I believe there's some developments and some details there. So just how significant is this? Yeah, so uh, the stewards have taken a look at it. Now, this has been something that's been rumbling on since the start of the year, basically since we first set eyes on the Racing Point and realised it looked an awful lot like last year's Mercedes. Um, Racing Point for out have said, well, you know, we're not going to hide the fact that we've taken inspiration from the fastest car on the grid to try and make our car faster. That was our plan from the start, and that's what we've done. But what it's come down to uh, in this decision from the stewards, or this kind of latest update from the stewards, is that uh, the point of interest is the brake ducts. Now, the brake ducts are basically the, the aerodynamic devices, or they're not really aerodynamic, but the, the, the bits that uh, channel air into the brakes to keep them cool. Um, and uh, there's lots of kind of, you know, clever things you can do with them, and there's lots of, um, you know, uh, kind of development that goes on around those things during the season. Uh, but what happened at the start of this year was that they moved from the list of parts that you could you could buy from another team to the list of parts that you're not allowed to buy from another team. So um, clearly Renault, who brought forward the protests, believe that those brake ducts um, are actually just taken straight from Mercedes, uh, straight from, I think, judging by my scanning of that reading, from last year's Mercedes rather than this year's. And so uh, they've asked, uh, or they've impounded the brake ducts on, which I think always sounds way more serious. Than I know. They've impounded the brake ducts. <laughs> Basically just means they've taken them and so that they can analyse them and, uh, and look at them. And obviously that way, um, Racing Point can't make any subsequent changes to them or anything like that. So they've taken those. They've also requested uh, some W10 brake ducts so the brake ducts from last year's Mercedes and uh, and they'll be looking at it uh, so it's an interesting one because at the start of the year I remember 
you know, we had lots of chats with Racing Point about whether their car was legal, why it was legal, um, and, you know, what the other teams were saying about how it isn't legal. And they said back then that, yes, they've got the Mercedes engine, we knew that. Yes, they've got the Mercedes gearbox, we knew that. And yes, they take uh, outboard suspension components, uh, which is allowed under the regulations. That's one of the parts you are allowed to take. But I don't ever remember anyone mentioning brake ducts. So, um, yeah, very, very interesting if that's the case. Um, and uh, I don't know what the consequences would be. But, um, but yeah, that's, uh, it, it's breaking the sporting regulations because you're not allowed uh, to take certain parts from other teams. And the idea being that, uh, you know, people go out there with a car that they've designed, that they've, you know, that they've kind of put the hard work in. So you can't just simply go and buy a car off the shelf. Everyone's talked about doing that, introducing that to regulations uh, many times and could still do that in the future, but at the moment you're not allowed to do that. So uh, what seems like a relatively small component is, is, is quite significant. So we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, I haven't read it in detail, but I assume they're then going to take that to, uh, you know, to, to the next level and, uh, and see what they find. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it just also shows how competitive things are because there's no doubt about it, that racing point... Today was the third fastest car Ooh, yeah. on the racetrack. It's been um, looking good. <laughs> it's been looking very good. So, uh, you know, and it was on on a par with Albon in the Red Bull. It wasn't at Max's level, but Albon's Red Bull, it, it was capable of taking the fights of that. So, you know, that is very, very quick. And that is a huge step for a team to make from one year to the next. Uh, so obviously the likes of Renault and McLaren, who have, uh, you know, been investing lots of money in trying to make their car quicker, to have a racing point come through and just uh, demolish them, uh, you know, th they will inevitably look at ways uh, in which uh, that has happened. And it looks like they've uh, found something that may be against the regulations on the face of it. But I'm sure racing point will have uh, something to say about it and uh, we'll have to wait and find out what it is. Yeah, and <clears throat> listening to the Renault drivers and the two McLaren drivers, they they all of them after the race seemed at pains to kind of say, oh yeah, you know that racing point is really quick. You know, oh it's it's much quicker than we thought it was going to be. You know, they've obviously so you wonder how much those those guys have kind of heard from their team. Like yeah, you know this, I mean, especially the Renault guys. You know, we spoke to Ricardo and Ocon maybe twenty minutes before that mm -hmm. the, the the protest was lodged and the FIA sent it out. So yeah, there's definitely I think it, they've definitely turned a lot of heads. But um, yeah, it's it. it I'm trying to work out if it's if it's something I like or dislike because you know I'm I'm compared to Lawrence I'm much more on the sporting side of of F1 in terms of what drew me to it in the first place and sometimes these things you know I I mean I I remember reading when the FIA Ferrari engine settlement came out and thinking you know you try and digest it and stuff and if you've just watched a race and then you read after after the fact that there's been a protest sometimes it can leave a bad taste in the mouth but mm -hmm. Formula One is all about that technical innovation so. It, it's completely fair for Renault to protest, but for a casual fan, I, I always do wonder when they see this sort of thing, how you know what sort of impact it has on them. So um, hopefully it doesn't drag on too long, and we don't get to a point where we're going into the season not knowing what you know the outcome will be. But I, I don't imagine that'll be the case. Well, we'll definitely get more details on that. I'm pretty sure we'll have an update by the time we meet again and do our midweek podcast as we look ahead to Hungary. But obviously, before we go, I mean, I have to ask you guys, what are you expecting from what you've seen and what you know of Hungary? Just a, a quick little preview, a little teaser as to obviously we'll go more in depth when we do our podcast midweek. Well, um, yeah, like I said, I think Red Bull are going to be closer, but it's going to be an interesting situation because uh, from what we've uh, learned about the regulations to prevent coronavirus spreading in the paddock uh, it's going to be quite a one of the more unusual races that i think anybody in formula one has ever taken part in if you're a, a uk resident or citizen 
um, which a lot of the paddock is, mm-hmm. uh, you're actually going to be confined to your hotel and the circuit <laughs> and any movement in between must be between those two points. Otherwise, uh, you risk imprisonment or a 15,000 euro fine. Imprisonment. Imagine yeah. that. I exactly. mean, fair play. You have to be strict, though. But imp- mm. can you imagine one of them? I guess no no parties in Monaco midweek, huh? I mean, some of the some of the ruined bars and some of the goulash you can get in Budapest, you could argue is worth a little <laughs> Being in prison. prison for yeah. Well, oh, you know, wow. some of it's very good, so... I'm not saying people should do that, but I've know. never tried goulash before, so I don't. I, you've got to do oh, it in. Go you've got to do it in Hungary, yeah, yeah, in Budapest. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, it's an interesting one because uh, I think they're free to do what they want until they get to Hungary. So if you want to go back to Monaco, fine, do it. Valtteri's already and then said, go to Hungary, and then you go to Hungary. But once you enter Hungary and you're from the UK, if you're from other parts of Europe, you're fine mm-hmm. under the Hungarian government's uh, ruling on this. But if you're from the UK, I th- I don't know the exact details, but I presume it's because of. Uh, the rate of coronavirus, um, you know, mm-hmm. incidents we've had in, in in the UK. If you're from the UK, then yeah, you're you're really limited on what you can do. Um, so this is going to impact everyone from Lewis Hamilton down to you know the mechanics that work on his car. Uh, if they've got a UK passport, the, the same rules apply. Lewis said he's not that worried about it because, uh, <laughs> like in Austria this week, he's going to spend his time in the circuit. Uh, he brings his articulated. Uh, lorry of a motorhome, mm-hmm. which is I've not been inside, but from the outside it looks pretty swished. It's always in the testing paddock uh, when we go there, and it's usually hidden somewhere around European races, uh, so he gets his privacy. Um, but you know he, he likes that because then he can keep himself completely focused on the job at hand. Uh, but yeah, um, Budapest is a fantastic city. Usually you just go and kind of have a meal or goulash or <laughs> pint, and uh, they won't be allowed to do that. So, um, but that is the nature of, of racing at the moment. Uh, and you know we we knew from the very start that. In order to get racing back underway, whilst the coronavirus still prevalent in uh, in society and you know it's still floating around and uh, making people ill, that there was going to be compromises, and this this is one of them. So it's going to be a very different environment to what they're used to, um, uh, especially with Budapest, because Budapest is usually the last race before the summer break, so it's that end of school feeling, and it's really good fun. And now it's just going to be locked down. That's a, that's a new normal, as Nate just said. To be fair, I'm hundred percent. We'd be arrested for getting a pint. Hundred yeah. percent. Well, I don't know. Would they? Well, I guess I am a UK resident. I don't have a UK passport, but yeah, I'm not entirely clear on the details. But I think it's I think it's down to your passport. So oh, yeah. so what you're saying is you'll send me out? because yeah. <laughs> they can't arrest me on a Jamaican passport. Absolutely. You'll Absolutely. send me out. Plus, Jamaica has very little cases of coronavirus. So you'll send me out. I'll get the pints and the goulash. And we can have our own mobile home. Like well, we Lewis. wouldn't. Yeah, we wouldn't be able to go anywhere, Lawrence and I. But you can <laughs> no, go, I'll you bring can it back ferry. to you yeah, guys. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. I, yeah. I wouldn't abandon this is my team. a great team. plan. Why didn't we think about? of this before? Yeah, and then we could we could ask Lewis to hang out with Roscoe, yeah. and I'll bring Zlatan. It'll be like one big happy family. <laughs> uh, hey, sounds great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just need, need to get it signed off from our HR department and yeah. we're away. I know exactly. <laughs> One Send big party Alexis in a motorhome. In she's Budapest. got a Jamaican passport. She won't get arrested. Uh, we, we let's read the details and go over this. I'm sure we can find some way. But anyways, guys, been an absolute pleasure. Ofs another exciting day, massive day. Looking forward to to our midweek chat because I'm sure we'll find certain more details that will be definitely worth talking about. And yeah. then and we can try and lighten up a bit for Wednesday and pretend the championship's yeah. going to be really close again gasps in Lewis Hamilton that nobody was excited but me that he whatever was like oh Lewis again with another blistering performance hey, you gotta remember we've been doing this for six years now with, with, with yeah. Lewis putting in those blistering performances and as much as they are impressive and as I said as much as we need to kind of cherish them because uh, he's not gonna be around in F1 forever um 
it's still a little bit demoralising when you don't see someone taking the fight to him. Because like mm. I said, that's what we want to see. I don't mind if Lewis wins. I love seeing him win, but it's when somebody makes him work really hard to win that uh, it's the most exciting. And yeah, my first true. my first season doing F1 for ESPN was 2014, so I literally have only seen... You know, I was, I was obviously a big fan of F1 beforehand. But um, yeah, so I think I think it was even... The weird thing was the first like six races I did, Lewis didn't win and they were pretty much the only races in those spells that he wasn't winning. <laughs> so I remember at one point, if I went to a race, he didn't win them. But yeah, it's it's been Mercedes dominance the whole time I've been here. So that's probably why... Yeah, we're not the most enthusiastic, but hey, yeah, we'll change up. We'll change up the tune. We'll change week. up next week, man. I'm going to. I'll, I'll let you guys. Up. I'll go to Hungary and get some pints, and then come right back to the UK, and Deal. some goulash as well, of yeah. course. And we'll we'll cheer for Lewis if we have to, of course. I mean, all I knew in F1 was Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso, and then both of them will be there next year, so that will be pretty juicy to see but we'll get there obviously when we get there Lawrence Nate thank you guys so much thank thanks you. to all our listeners for listening and tuning in we hope you guys join us again next week when we'll do this all over again bye for now <laughs>